Good evening, morning, afternoon, wherever you are. And if you're on replay, give me a hashtag replay and give me your top three, um, whatchamacallit, takeaways from this call. I wanted to jump on and do a Facebook Live training answering this one riddle that I get consistently over and over and over and over again and living it after living it after going through every single kind of possibility you know in relationship dynamics and going through pretty much ev exhausting every angle uh, going through it a couple of times in relationships having been divorced once going through one failed relationship after another until uh, one that had me just take a break from all relationships in general, I was living in the state of what I call relationship purgatory for four years. And if you know what that's like, let me know. Let me know in the comment section. We have a bunch of new people in this community, and if you're brand new, I want to welcome you. And if you don't, if you're just meeting me either for the very first time or getting to know me, my name's Dr. Nima Romani, and I'm a chiropractor, which is weird that I'm talking about this relationship stuff. And I wanted to explain that why, because it's very strange. I admit, sometimes I wake up and I look in the mirror and I think to myself, or, or after a client call, I sit down and I think to myself, how the hell did I get myself here? And the trajectory that led me here, believe me when I tell you, when I graduated chiropractic school, I never thought that one day I would have a platform where I would be teaching this material and why that's even important and how that's even related to chiropractic. The truth of the matter is most patients that were coming to see me are dealing with stress-related disorders. There are neck pain, there's jaw aches, there's headaches, there's digestive issues. Everything on the stress spectrum that is uh, ex expressed because of prolonged stress hormones in the body, people come to see me with, and they're looking for relief. And I spent the good part of 15 years structurally working on those problems and getting mild to moderate to great results. The spectrum. There's some people that was like, oh, magic hands, you're a hero, and I got to feel great about myself. And then there were other people that got moderate results, and then there were some people that I didn't even, like, couldn't touch them. Like, there was no, no, there was no improvement, and my ego could not handle it, so I had to just figure out why. I didn't know the answer to it. My training was very limited in that. So, you okay over there, Lucy? Um, my training was very limited, so it was just limited to, uh, you know, structurally x-rays, figure out what's misalignments are happening, my adjustments are magical, but talk to any chiropractor or body worker or somebody who's been working for prolonged periods, for a long, long time, more than 10 years, there are emotional uh, layers that we can't touch in our chiropractic visits. So it was just a journey of my own self-discovery, just, you know, entrepreneurial anxiety, history of bullying, childhood woundings and stuff that I was working on myself, uh, doing cognitive work, uh, you know, a student of John Martini since whew, 1997, knowing the ins and outs of his methodology, Byron Katie, 
consistently investing in self-development, understanding that my growth as an entrepreneur, as a healer, as a as a uh, teacher was all dependent on my ability to uh, understand myself and to be self-actualized. And so self-actualization was very important to me ever since a young age of having low self-esteem because I was bullied. Um, so I never thought that I would ever merge the two together until I saw patient after patient not getting better uh, because I could see that it wasn't physical wounds that they were coming to see me with there was unresolved emotional wounds. And in my journey to heal my own unresolved woundings, my own attachment wounds from, from the past, I was unknowingly putting together a methodology to one day help my patients, but I didn't really have time in the chiropractic office to do it, so I created a weekend workshop uh, or Saturday morning, started off 10, 15 years, 12 years ago, Life Skills for a Stressful World workshop on Saturday mornings, which then I discovered that the patients that came into those got really much better results than the ones that didn't. And I just felt, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And that three-hour Saturday morning workshop became a one-day, and it became a two-day, and now it became a three-day event. And then COVID hit, and then uh, that event hasn't, hasn't happened in a long time. But... I have, over the last 15 years, developed methodology to help heal the root cause of the root cause of the root cause, and I gave myself permission to teach my patients how to go upstream for the root of the problem. And what did I discover? Most problems are start stemming from childhood uh, traumas and woundings that are unresolved that end up creating relationship challenges. In other words, the ruptures from your relationships have such a huge part to play in your health disorders that it's such an elephant in the room. It's so massive that nobody ever really addresses it and ties the two together. It's so massive and so obvious. And there's no doctors that really tie those two things together that... Uh, the way that you do conflict, your resilience to conflict, your resilience to uh, attachments or ruptures to those attachments. Think of your parents. Think if your parents walked in the room and your mother was giving you a hug, what would happen to your body? And that feeling of <gasps> tension. Uh, or if, if I ask you to think of your father and then you have like rage that comes up because you feel abandoned by him or betrayed by him, those things, those entities, those psychic entities get trapped in our bodies and they carry with us to our relationship patterns. And we unconsciously, through no fault of your own, through no fault of our own, so there's no shame, there's no judgment, we unconsciously repeat these patterns again and again. And we get into codependency, we get into toxic kind of cycles, we get into abusive situations, we tolerate uh, abusive behavior, we act abusively, we get triggered and we turn into people that we look back on a day, a day, a week later in absolute utter shame and we feel completely out of control. Relationships 
start to become destroyed because of these unhealed woundings being bleeding all over our relationships. Let me know if any of this is resonating with you. And so here we have a situation where there's stress because of a breakup, there's stress because of an impending breakup, and our bodies are breaking down. So I just gave myself permission to just go upstream and help solve the riddle. And I realized that the big problem that I really wanted to be talking about is intergenerational trauma because the stress that you're coming in from the wounding in the relationship didn't start with you and it wasn't your fault and it wasn't the other person's fault and it even wasn't their parents fault it was their parents 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 it's all been kind of passed down from one generation to the other and then here you are with the health issue here you are facing your crisis should I stay or should I go so it wasn't until I found myself in that crisis, I realized that it was my, it was up to me to solve it. And um, I had to go through a few transitions. And I asked this question in the group, let's say a friend of yours took you out for coffee uh, and said, should I leave my relationship or not? What would you say? And we had a wide variety of, of answers and many, there was a one or two that were like, I would just leave, just leave. You can always come back, just leave, right? And that was very, um, that's an interesting uh, kind of conversation. Just why don't you just leave? If you're wondering, just leave. And what what that does is that it denormalizes I don't know how, another word of saying it it denormalizes that sometimes in relationships it's normal to want to leave sometimes it's actually normal to think uh, I made a mistake I'm with the wrong person sometimes it's normal to feel uh, lonely and unfulfilled and not seen right the problem is is do you have the skills to be able to assess those feelings to be able to share them in a way that's not blaming are you able to have skills in leaning into conflict do you avoid conflict altogether or do you like rage on one another do you go from zero to es escalating to 800 in like five seconds flat or you know point two you know what I mean like there are so many factors and just by saying oh you can just leave. You can always come back. Just leave. It doesn't actually uh, take into account some amazing opportunities. Opportunities to learn about yourself, learn about conflict, learn about each other, and really utilize the opportunity, the time, and the relationship to grow. Now, I said that, and it really triggered someone. Mary Jo is her name. She was like, this is highly triggering, right? And the, the language was really interesting because what happens is we're in a, we're in a, a we have found ourselves in an environment where we make other people responsible for what's going on inside our bodies. The, the, the whole purpose of this, this whole conversation, you're in this community because you're interested in the conversation of taking responsibility for your triggers, not making other people responsible. So there are opportunities. We're here to understand that your triggers are an opportunity for you to learn about yourself, for you to love yourself deeper. 
the trigger is a moment of self-abandonment when you really understand what's going on. So if I say something to you that triggers you, your inner victim will want to blame me for saying it because there's an internal disruption to your to your nervous system based on what I said or wrote. And then you will start to come at me with language. You'll start to call me names. You'll start to na label me manipulative. Uh, maybe you'll say I'm being abusive. But what happens is you're making me responsible for what happens inside of your body. This is the kind of like a, a traditional kind of victim state that we get into, we all get into, when we have trauma in our bodies and then it gets activated. And then because of the activation, it's so uncomfortable. This is triggering. You are responsible for it. When I was just, when I was just sharing some facts and um, uh, ex an expression of, of my side of it, right? So if you're getting triggered by anything I'm saying, this is an opportunity to look inside and go, what is it about me? There's a couple things, just to kind of as a side note. There's a couple of things that... Uh, are, that get triggered. What is a trigger? First of all, I want to say a trigger is an old event. What's happening is something in the background, there's a background sense of alarm going on in your body, you're carrying with you all of your woundings, and then it gets activated by something outside externally that reminds you of that thing. It's not that external thing, it's the background alarm that's being triggered. So it's a past event. Number two, often your trigger is something in your own shadow. So um, her perception of what I had said was that I was, uh, you know, I was using the relationship against uh, use. Like we should. My point was, you. Sh uh, it's a good idea before you jump ship. And I'm going to talk a little more about that. For you to use the relationship and the time that you have in that limbo state to really lay all the cards out and just say, look. This is where I am. This is what I'm feeling. And I want to spend the next few months really uh, exploring and examining if this is right for us. And uh, I really, you know, you're bringing up a lot of stuff within me. And I feel not seen, not heard, but I'm committed to healing. And I'm not attached to being together. I just want to get clarity and confidence in my decision to move on. How do you feel about that? And if both parties are aware of that situation, uh, especially, I mean, ideally you can get both parties on the same page. That would be ideal. That ups your level of, of ups your chances of really connecting powerfully or parting ways in a really beautiful way. I'm not attached to it working for you as far as the relationship goes. The goal here is to, to, to use the time, to use the trigger, not the person. <laughs> this is not about using the, and first of all, like it's like a bad thing. You know, t today my wife used me to pick up the dog shit because she couldn't bend down to, to pick it. I mean, we use each other consciously to help fulfill our needs. Part of a conscious relationship is knowing what your needs are and communicating them to another. And, you know, is that using? I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I don't, I, 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 I'm so attached to that word using, but in conscious relationships, we know what it is we need and we're able to powerfully request it. And, uh, you know, th there, 
the, the most healthiest relationships are actually fair exchange of give and receive. So if we have issues with giving, we have issues with receiving, then then when I say, you know, stay in the relationship and use the time together to be able to understand yourself and love yourself deeper and to get better at conflict and turn conflict into deeper intimacy, that might trigger you if you, you know, have ever felt used in the past, okay? You'll take what I'm saying and you'll experience it as, oh, you know, I was used and manipulated, so that will be triggering. That's, of course, Mary Jo, that that's, would be triggering. <clears throat> if that was your experience. Also, here's another thing that will be triggering. If you used and manipulated somebody in the past and you notice somebody's behavior that resembles it or sounds like it, you'll get triggered because it's a part of your shadow you haven't integrated. And I know that might be jargon sounds, but if I have a narcissistic side of me and I haven't looked at it, and I deny its existence, I'm going to see narcissists all around me. <laughs> this is what empaths usually do, is they just project narcissism. It's called projection. When you see somebody uh, behaving in ways that are uh, in alignment with parts of you that you hate, okay, like there's a little inner douchebag inside of you that you, if I have this inner douchebag inside of me that I haven't kind of integrated and been okay with and, 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 can see and it became okay with, then I'm going to look around and all I'm going to see is douchebags and I'm going to project on them. So that's what will trigger me. So the purpose of me telling you that is our triggers are amazing opportunities to learn about ourselves. That's why we're here. We're here on a journey to experience love and to get to a place where we can truly love ourselves, right? Our relationships, our work, our um, bodies, <laughs> our entire life is an expression of love and the ultimate is self-actualization, getting to a place where we can finally love ourselves. Not too many people get to that place and that's why relationships break down. This is why relationships break down. It's because we don't have an opportunity we don't have the skills, we don't learn the skills of how to love ourselves. Relationships are amazing opportunities to learn that. And when you're in a place of should I stay or should I go, I'm not saying to stay forever. I'm saying instead of running away from your triggers, oh my God, he triggers me, I'm going to avoid them. What happens if you run, which is what I would do, I would be like, oh, see you later, I got other options. I don't want to explore. I don't want to. I don't want uh, to to cut off all my other options. Peace out. I'm going to go explore my options, and then these other options I would explore. I would find myself repeating the same pattern, going, "Oh well, fuck you. Uh, time for another," and I would just go from person to person. And finally, I was like, "All right, maybe there's something inside of me that uh, I've been a little too embarrassed, too ashamed. My ego doesn't really want to look at." So I'm just going to keep jumping from person to person rather than the painful experience of looking at myself and using the relationship triggers that come up to explore. And not just using it selfishly, but also contributing, you know, being a mirror for the other person. So that's what I did. 
la- a couple of years ago, I left that relationship and I was like, this is not where I want to be. But I didn't have the courage to leave. I did not have the courage to leave. Why? Because I didn't really love myself. Number two, I didn't really feel that I deserved anything better. So I settled for a situation that wasn't ultimately fulfilling and rewarding. Somebody that I wouldn't really bring home to mom even. Somebody that I didn't really want to, you know, just didn't even want to be public with, but somebody that I believed at the time that I needed. I didn't choose, I needed. That's classic codependency. So number one, I was too afraid to leave and be alone. I couldn't handle it. Number two, I was able to then stay in the relationship and commit to the process of using every trigger that came up to go inside and connect with the younger parts of me that this trigger was coming up and to practice communication skills because if I could do it in a relationship where I wasn't, you know, like jumping for joy or 100% about that still I was going to be learning a lot and I wanted to make sure like she was a hundred percent aware and consented that this was going to be the path like I wasn't lying to her and saying look I I, I promise you the sun and the moon and the stars I said no I'm committed to the path of, of learning through this and she was like okay she also had codependency And slowly, after I started to make these transitions, I started to put put down the magnifying glass of all the things, the shit I hated about her. I picked up a mirror instead. I started looking at seeing why I was a perfect match for this kind of person. These are really uncomfortable questions. Without really understanding the history and the perfection of the union and understanding like why I was a perfect match for that person at the time. Why was it a perfect union at the time? Without fully understanding that, I'm judging myself. I'm beating myself up. I'm blaming myself. I'm shaming myself. There's no clarity when I'm doing that to myself. And most of the time when I'm working with people and they're going through this limbo, the prevailing belief and thought is, I should never have gotten together with this person. Let me know if you can relate to that. I should never have even gotten together with this person in the first place. That is a delusion. How do I know? Well, because you got together with them at the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't have. And the longer that you are judging yourself for being with them in the first place, the more clouded your perceptions are in understanding who you are, connecting to that inner voice, which will guide you properly when you can dissolve the judgment, abandonment, blame, and shame. Now, this goes without saying that if there is a situation, you're in a situation where you are, your life is in danger and you're in threat, like it's a threat, and there's some sort of coercive manipulative control going on and you feel stuck, okay, like find a way to get yourself out. (laughs) You know, like I'm not condoning you staying and being hurt persistently um, kind of in a really shitty situation. Your work then is to really understand and appreciate the disempowerment that got you to that space. 
and take responsibility for that disempowerment. How did you become a perfect match for that kind of person? To take responsibility, not blame. Remember, because it's not your fault. People call me, people say I'm victim blaming a lot. I'm not victim blaming. I'm not blaming you as the victim. I'm saying responsibility is the opposite of victimhood. And responsibility is the only way out, is the only way to create a healthy relationship is by taking responsibility. And often people are who are stuck in the should I stay or should I go are sitting on their hands, sitting on themselves going, I just wish that that person would change. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof Podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the overview experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. They're just not changing. I'm just going to go and find something else. And they don't have any self-reflection. They go to a therapist and they tell their side of the story, but they don't really go in and heal their attachment wounds. This is the time. This is the time to utilize this limbo space. You either ch ch cho choose choice number one is just run and say, ah, I can always go back. I'm just going to keep my options open and then go and not take any responsibility for the triggers that came up, not look and see why that person was a perfect match for you because it was a transference of an unresolved shit with your mother or father. Make sure you're leaving the right person. This is what I wanted to say. Should I stay or should I go? Make sure that if you're going, you're leaving the right person. You're not trying to divorce mom. <laughs> because if you leave this person, divorce, make sure you're divorcing the right person. If you're trying to divorce or leave um, mom by leaving this person, you're just going to um, repeat the pattern in another form. Let me know if you've ever experienced that. I just kept going from one to another until I stopped distracting myself. I went inside and slowly the answer to should I stay or should I go became clear as the noonday sun. Of course I should leave. Of course we got together in the first place the way that I did. I was completely scared. My nervous system was in complete dysregulation. I didn't feel safe. I didn't have confidence in myself. I met somebody who was going to help me in my business, somebody who catered to my sexual uh, drive, and somebody who I didn't have to have emotional intimacy with. 
we were both at the same transactional level. She was getting credibility and leaving that uh, a, a kind of her her old world behind, which was you know there was some shadiness uh, of 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 some of the business dealings that she was involved in, shady past, all of that exciting stuff <laughs> that uh, was opposite to me. I gave her credibility. I gave her, you know, uh, an amazing career opportunity. She gave me uh, so much uh, support uh, with with running my business, sexually, all of that. It was like complete transaction. Why? Well, because I didn't know what love was. <laughs> I thought love was what you could give me. And I didn't realize that until I went inside and took responsibility and realized that, all of my relationships were transactional, right? Have a hard time being in a serious relationship due to wanting to keep options open. Samantha, exactly. When you get there, you just just leave and keep your options open. And the truth is, is that the reason why you can't commit to one person is because deep down inside, there's a part of you, Samantha, which I'm not, I'm not like, pointing fingers at you because what's personal to you is universal to all of us. So, sweetie, there's no shame in this. I got to keep my options open because if this person rejects me, I can't live with myself. If I give my heart to this person and they withdraw it and they leave, that would be unbearable. Okay? It would be unbearable. So, I can't really commit to anybody because I'm not committed to myself. That was me. Uh, you could be an avoidant, Samantha. I'm not sure. There's an attachment quiz style quiz that I can uh, to, to give you to see to find out what that is. But essentially what I wanted to let you know is I'm about to do a training called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And these are the five transitions required in order to move from a insecure place, insecure kind of like needy clingy or insecure kind of like eh, I need to keep my options open because I'm not sure about everybody, all of these people. You know, I need to keep my options open, play the field, block intimacy, not let anyone get too close. Truth, I'm afraid of rejection. It all comes back to that. I'm afraid of rejection. Why? Because I don't feel good enough. I literally have mapped out the steps, the transitions you need with case studies. Case studies like Melissa, who was like, I'm ready for a divorce. What do I do? He's not going to do the work. I'm like, sweetie, it's up to you. Let's just go in and make these shifts, make these transitions. She did, and now they have a more healthier relationship than ever, and he hasn't done the work. And they were on the brink of divorce. They went through everything, infidelity, you name it. There's also, somebody like um, uh, Eve, should I stay or should I go? What should I do? Well, she's in this relationship for two years. What do I do? I'm like, I'm not going to answer that question. You're going to answer it. We went in. She made these five shifts. All of a sudden, she was like, this is not right for me. I'm like, oh, cool. Th th that answered it. She made that within a few months. She met this amazing guy, and I follow her on Facebook, and she's Amazing. I like her photos. Way to go to know that I had a small part to play in that was pretty amazing. Uh, but she was able to 
leave that relationship because she made those transitions within herself. She had the clarity, she got the confidence, and then the courage to move on. And this also reminds me of Pamela, who made the five transitions as well. And she was in a, you know, year, like, I don't know, 15, 20 year marriage, and she was ready to leave. Uh, she was ready to go. And uh, she didn't know. She was like, what do I do? I, for 15 years, she stayed, not knowing if she wanted to stay or go. Uh, she takes a friend out for coffee who's a client of mine and says, how do you know? Who, who successfully left his marriage. Well, his wife left, but they successfully uncoupled. Uh, they just sold their house. They're sell about to sell their house. Uh, and they're totally great friends. They both moved on. He's now met somebody else. And he takes Pam out for coffee. And she's like, I don't know whether or not to leave my marriage. What do I do? She th he then connects Pamela with me. This was back in March or April, I believe. And we just went to work and she made those transitions. It was a difficult choice because she would constantly tell her husband, I, I, I got to go. Like, I can't do this. I want to leave. And he'd be like, nope, nope. We're getting together. We're not leaving. We're staying together. This is Everything's going to be fine. And they would go do therapy consistently. And then he would, she would say, okay, she would cave, and she just didn't really have the strength or the courage to say it because guilt was running, running the show. And then one day, I think it was a couple, couple months as we were working together, something clicked for her, and she was at a therapy session with him, and she turns to him and says, no, it's over. It's over, and he and she didn't say it in like a like a mean asshole kind of way, but it was like compassionately firm. And he looked at her, he felt her energy, and he was like, "Okay, I understand," you know. And he was dead set against this. He was like, "I I just don't want to lose you. I'm not losing you." And she had all this guilt. And finally, they moved on. And guess what? They have three kids, and he helped her move into her own place. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean to get back together. It could also mean it's best to move apart. That's what I discovered. And moving apart, you don't have to hate one another. You can actually do it in a way where it's like the most loving thing for one another. And that's what we're here to do. That's what I'm committed to because I'm committed to healing families. That's it. I stand for healed families because I know as a chiropractor that the reason why the health, the health starts to fall apart is unhealed attachments and ruptures in family dynamics. And they become ruptured because we haven't learned how to do conflict. When conflict comes up, it means danger. So we run. So it makes sense why you want to run because you haven't learned the skills in sitting in your emotions in understanding what your triggers mean, in going deeper into them and, and, and deeper into them and using your triggers with other people as an opportunity to go inside and heal parts of you that you haven't yet loved, parts of your shadow. If you're courageous enough and willing to look, the biggest obstacle to this is our ego because our ego's biggest fear is being wrong and being bad, right? So we go to great lengths to avoid being wrong and being bad. Great lengths like codependency because we are so afraid of that shadow of ours. And that makes you completely stoppable and messable with. 
and I want to make you unfuckwithable. That's what becoming trigger-proof means. It doesn't mean becoming. Tr it doesn't mean trigger-less. It means taking responsibility, taking responsibility for your own emotions, rather than going, "Ah, oh, you're triggering me." That's very triggering. In other words, you're responsible for the feelings that are happening in my body. That's enmeshment and codependency, for good reason. That's part of intergenerational trauma. And this is a conversation that's only about healing it. That's only about taking responsibility. Suzanne, I see you here. I asked Suzanne, started working with us in that same exact thing. I was like, should I stay or leave? I don't know whether or not to stay or leave. And now a few months later, she's like, hmm, I'm now at the place where I don't need him, but I love him. So it's like I choose. In other words, she was now telling me she's broken free from the codependency. She knows she could be good on her own. That is when the truth comes out. That is when the truth comes out. Is when you can bust free from codependency. Where you're not needing the other person financially, uh, emotionally. You resource you. And that's when you can truly be authentic with the relationship when you don't need them. That's what the work is about. The work is about staying and using the triggers to go inside and fill your own cup so that you can actually be authentic and tell the truth. Because codependency is all about withholding our truth because if I tell you the truth, then you're going to not love me and you're gonna pull away and you're gonna reject me and I can't love myself if that's the case. This is the real pandemic, and we are looking for saviors outside of us. And I am interested in the conversation of creating that safety within. And so I have a new uh, uh, training that's coming up next week. It's a live Zoom webinar. So it's on Zoom, so it's private, it's not public. I'm gonna give you a link, it's free. It's about 60 minutes long next week. I'll have the link for you. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it right now. Oh, that's, that's Dominic. He's having a little bit of a thing. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share these five transitions with you. The link is in the comment section. Go ahead and register for it. Open up the space. It is, uh, where are we here? Right here. I got it here for you. I should have the, the link there. Let me get it for you. And so the link is, the link will be there and it will, it will show you exact, it will tell you exactly what to do to register, put, put the uh, link up. And what I'll also do is send you the um, secure attachments quiz to find out what attachment style you are because that gives you a really good indication of which direction that you need to go. It's like tells you, what you what's going on in your nervous system. There it is. Perfect found it. Computer's a little slow. There it is. I'm sending, I've dropped the link in the comment section right there. So the, the, the master class is going to be on Zoom. So you make sure you have Zoom. Should I stay or should I go? And please share this link with people that you know that are dealing with that. Divorce, uh, breakup, uh, codependency, um, feeling like they are like killing it at work but they just 
can't get that relationship thing right, this is the training for that. This is where I delve into the secrets, I, you know, behind the curtain of how I, not only I did, but all of the clients we're working with got the clarity, confidence, and courage to be able to open up the space to create a secure relationship, either with the partner you're with or leaving that partner behind, not in a bad way, but in a, you know, in a loving way, and then opening up the space to create that, because that's really all that matters is secure relationships. Many of us don't even know what the hell that, that is, you know? That's what I'm here to do. Why is that important? Well, because your children, if you don't have a secure relationship at home, your children don't grow up with that safety and they don't get modeled a secure relationship. If you don't believe me, just take a look at the relationship between your mother and father. That's where you learned how to do conflict. That's where you learned how to love. <laughs> and we don't get lessons on becoming better at loving. Because when you do, a secure relationship feels pretty amazing. You know, imagine feeling relaxed with your partner most of the time. Imagine having kind of an ease of flow between being close in connection and then times, you know, being away, close in your own space together and apart from one another. Just an ease of flow between the two. When you have insecure attachment, there's anxiety when you get together and when you part ways. You know what I'm talking about. Secure relationships feel like when you hit a glitch, you know, it's pretty easy for you to repair and apologize and brainstorm a win-win, you know, or repairing misattunements or misunderstandings, you know. When you're in a secure relationship, you feel like people are generally good at heart. When you're insecure and and traumatized you're suspicious of everyone you're constantly blaming other people you know it's like oh it's just, you know and they're like oh you're you're manipulating you're being manipulative you're you're gaslighting me you're like everybody's a perpetrator to you <laughs> when you've held on to trauma you literally like a you're a perpetrator magnet everybody around you is out to get you you're just a fucking victim to everyone. Your world keeps getting smaller and smaller, and a secure relationship is impossible. I don't care how many times you, you know, just leave and you think you can come back. It's it's all because you can't handle being in your own fucking emotions. <laughs> and that's, you know, what children, that's, that's a childlike state, and it's not your fault. It's because nobody taught you how to be with them. That's what becoming trigger-proof is all about. Um, when you're secure relationship, you actually prioritize keeping agreements with one another and they uh, keep their agreements with you as well because you've kept agreements with yourself. You consistently betraying yourself. Don't be surprised if that other person betrays you. Okay. They're just mirroring how you're treating yourself. Um, when you're in a secure relationship, you discover an attempt to meet the needs of your partner and you feel comfortable expressing your own needs and receiving their attention and care. You know, you feel comfortable, you say, this is what I need. And you feel comfortable with receiving. You know, in a secure relationship, you, you actively are protective of your partner from any harm. You know, it's, it's neat. Like, I just feel this sense of protection when I walk. We, we live in a pretty shit neighborhood here in Vancouver. We're, uh, uh, we're in um, kind of Chinatown area. Uh, great apartment, but the neighborhood, it's a little, it's just a couple blocks from the Ske Sketchville. 
and uh, when we walk, I'm just like, you know, with one another. And uh, my wife is very protective of me from trolls and haters. You know, I'll show her some conversations that I'm getting into and she'll just, you know, it's like this need to protect one another. You know, it's a really great feeling to have. When you have that secure relationship at home, you feel like you can take on and conquer the world. Um, you, you constantly, in a secure relationship, you attempt to maintain safety in the relationship. And you're trusting your partner to be a safe haven for you. Imagine what that would be like to have a, a relationship where you have this trusting safe haven. You know, most of us don't have that. So that's my vision. And th this is what the training is about. Make sure you get registered. Let's see, uh, you know, if you have any questions, make sure you message me. But you're going to get a ton of packed, valuable content. You're going to leave knowing exactly what to do to answer the question, should I stay or should I go, how to heal from that broken heart, how to overcome that codependent trauma bond cycle. And I use case studies with real human beings with real results because that's what this whole community is about. Um, and it's not easy. The work is not overnight, quick fix. Uh, you got to be willing to do the work when you show up. And uh, you, must, you must be willing to overcome your victim story. That's the key. <clears throat> so I'd love to see you there. If you have any questions, let me know. But uh, we'll see you at the next perfect time.